for, he hawk swooped down, seized the mouse and carried it off, with the frog dangling from its leg, thus at once Loompy had caught both meat and fish for his dinner, those who seek to harm others often come to harm themselves through their own deceit, the fox and the crab a crab one day grew disgusted with the sands in which he lived, he decided to take a stroll to the meadow not far inland, there he would find better fare than briny water and sand mites, so off he crawled to the meadow, but there a hungry fox spied him, and in a twinkling, ate him up, both shell and claw, be content with your lot, the serpent and the eagle a serpent had succeeded in surprising an eagle and had wrapped himself around the eagle's neck, the eagle could not reach the serpent, neither with beak nor claws, far into the sky he soared trying to shake off his enemy, but the serpent's hold only tightened, and slowly the eagle sank back to earth, gasping for breath, a countryman chanced to see the unequal combat, in pity for the noble eagle he rushed up and soon had loosened the coiling serpent and freed the eagle, the serpent was furious, he had no chance to bite the watchful countryman, instead he struck at the drinking horn, hanging at the countryman's belt, and into it let fly the poison of his fangs, the countryman now went on toward home, becoming thirsty on the way, he filled his horn at a spring, and was about to drink, there was a sudden rush of great wings, sweeping down, the eagle seized the poisoned horn from out his savior's hands, and flew away with it to hide it where it could never be found, an act of kindness is well repaid, the wolf in sheep's clothing a certain wolf could not get enough to eat because of the watchfulness of the shepherds, but one night he found a sheepskin that had been cast aside and forgotten, the next day, dressed in the skin, the wolf strolled into the pasture with the sheep, soon a little lamb was following him about and was quickly led away to slaughter, that evening the wolf entered the fold with the flock, but it happened that the shepherd took a fancy for mutton broth that very evening, and, picking up a knife, went to the fold, there the first he laid hands on and killed was the wolf, the evildoer often comes to harm through his own deceit, the bull and the goat a bull once escaped from a lion by entering a cave which the goatherds used to house their flocks in stormy weather and at night, it happened that one of the goats had been left behind, and the bull had no sooner got inside than the goat lowered his head and made a rush at him, butting him with his horns, as the lion was still prowling outside the entrance to the cave, the bull had to submit to the insult, do not think, he said, that I submit to your cowardly treatment because I am afraid of you, when that lion leaves, I'll teach you a lesson you won't forget, it is wicked to take advantage of another's distress, the eagle and the beetle beetle once begged the eagle to spare a hare which had run to her for protection, but the eagle pounced upon her prey, the sweep of her great wings tumbling the beetle a dozen feet away, furious at the disrespect shown her, the beetle flew to the eagle's nest and rolled out the eggs, not one did she spare, the eagle's grief and anger knew no bounds, but who had done the cruel deed she did not know, next year the eagle built her nest far up on a mountain crag, but the beetle found it and again destroyed the eggs, in despair the eagle now implored great Jupiter to let her place her eggs in his lap, there none would dare harm them, but the beetle buzzed about Jupiter's head, and made him rise to drive her away, and the eggs rolled from his lap, now the beetle told the reason for her action, and Jupiter had to acknowledge the justice of her cause, and they say that ever after, while the eagle's eggs lie in the nest in spring, the beetle still sleeps in the ground, for so Jupiter commanded, even the weakest may find means to avenge a wrong, the old lion and the fox an old lion, whose teeth and claws were so worn that it was not so easy for him to get food as in his younger days, pretended that he was sick, 
he took care to let all his neighbors know about it, and then lay down in his cave to await for visitors, and when they came to offer him their sympathy, he ate them up one by one, the fox came too, but he was very cautious about it, standing at a safe distance from the cave, he inquired politely after the lion's health, the lion replied that he was very ill indeed, and asked the fox to step in for a moment, but Master Fox very wisely stayed outside, thanking the lion very kindly for the invitation. I should be glad to do as you ask, he added, but I have noticed that there are many footprints leading into your cave and none coming out. Pray tell me, how do your visitors find their way out again? Take warning from the misfortunes of others. The man and the lion a lion and a man chanced to travel in company through the forest. They soon began to quarrel for each of them boasted that he and his kind were far superior to the other both in strength and mind. Now they reached a clearing in the forest and there stood a statue. It was a representation of Heracles in the act of tearing the jaws of the Nemean lion. See, said the man, that's how strong we are. The king of beasts is like wax in our hands. Oh, laughed the lion. A man made that statue. It would have been quite a different scene had a lion made it. It all depends on the point of view and who tells the story, the ass and the lap dog there was once an ass whose master also owned a lap dog, this dog was a favorite and received many a pat and kind word from his master, as well as choice bits from his plate, every day the dog would run to meet the master, frisking playfully about and leaping up to lick his hands and face, all this the ass saw with much discontent, though he was well fed, he had much work to do, besides, the master hardly ever took any notice of him, now the jealous ass got it into his silly head that all he had to do to win his master's favor was to act like the dog. So one day he left his stable and clattered eagerly into the house. Finding his master seated at the dinner table, he kicked up his heels and, with a loud bray, pranced giddily around the table, upsetting it as he did so. Then he planted his forefeet on his master's knees and rolled out his tongue to lick the master's face, as he had seen the dog do. But his weight upset the chair and ass and man rolled over together in the pile of broken dishes from the table. The master was much alarmed at the strange behavior of the ass, and calling for help, soon attracted the attention of the servants. When they saw the danger the master was in from the clumsy beast, they set upon the ass and drove him with kicks and blows back to the stable. There they left him to mourn the foolishness that had brought him nothing but a sound beating, behavior that is regarded as agreeable in one is very rude and impertinent in another. Do not try to gain favor by acting in a way that is contrary to your own nature and character. The milkmaid and her pail A milkmaid had been out to milk the cows and was returning from the field with the shining milk pail balanced nicely on her head. As she walked along, her pretty head was busy with plans for the days to come. This good, rich milk, she mused, will give me plenty of cream to churn. The butter I make I will take to market, and with the money I get for it I will buy a lot of eggs for hatching. How nice it will be when they are all hatched and the yard is full of fine young chicks. Then when May Day comes I will sell them. And with the money I'll buy a lovely new dress to wear to the fair. All the young men will look at me. They will come and try to make love to me. But I shall very quickly send them about their business. As she thought of how she would settle that matter, she tossed her head scornfully. And down fell the pail of milk to the ground. And all the milk flowed out and with it vanished butter and eggs and chicks and new dress and all the milkmaid's pride. Do not count your chickens before they are hatched. The wolf and the shepherd the wolf, lurking near the shepherd's hut, saw the shepherd and his family feasting on a roasted lamb. Aha! he muttered, 
what a great shouting and running about there would have been, had they caught me at just the very thing they are doing with so much enjoyment. Men often condemn others for what they see no wrong in doing themselves. The G-O-A-D-H-E-R-D and the goaty goat strayed away from the flock. Tempted by a patch of clover, the goatherd tried to call it back, but in vain, it would not obey him. Then he picked up a stone and threw it, breaking the goat's horn. The goatherd was frightened. Do not tell the master, he begged the goat. Mumber, said the goat, that broken horn can speak for itself. Wicked deeds will not stay hid. The miser a miser had buried his gold in a secret place in his garden. Every day he went to the spot, dug up the treasure and counted it piece by piece to make sure it was all there. He made so many trips that a thief, who had been observing him, guessed what it was the miser had hidden, and one night quietly dug up the treasure and made off with it. When the miser discovered his loss, he was overcome with grief and despair. He groaned and cried and tore his hair. A passerby heard his cries and asked what had happened. My gold! Oh my gold! cried the miser, wildly. Someone has robbed me. Your gold! They're in that hole. Why did you put it there? Why did you not keep it in the house where you could easily get it when you had to buy things? Bye! screamed the miser angrily. Why? I never touched the gold. I couldn't think of spending any of it. The stranger picked up a large stone and threw it into the hole. If that is the case, he said, cover up that stone. It is worth just as much to you as the treasure you lost. A possession is worth no more than the use we make of it. The wolf and the house dog There was once a wolf who got very little to eat because the dogs of the village were so wide awake and watchful. He was really nothing but skin and bones, and it made him very downhearted to think of it. One night this wolf happened to fall in with a fine fat house dog who had wandered a little too far from home. The wolf would gladly have eaten him then and there, but the house dog looked strong enough to leave his marks should he try it. So the wolf spoke very humbly to the dog, complimenting him on his fine appearance. You can be as well fed as I am if you want to, replied the dog. Leave the woods, there you live miserably. Why, you have to fight hard for every bite you get. Follow my example and you will get along beautifully. What must I do? Asked the wolf. Hardly anything, answered the house dog. Chase people who carry canes, bark at beggars, and fawn on the people of the house. In return you will get tidbits of every kind, chicken bones, choice bits of meat, sugar, cake, and much more beside. Not to speak of kind words and caresses, the wolf had such a beautiful vision of his coming happiness that he almost wept. But just then he noticed that the hair on the dog's neck was worn and the skin was chafed. What is that on your neck? Nothing at all, replied the dog. What? Nothing. Oh, just a trifle. But please tell me. Perhaps you see the mark of the collar to which my chain is fastened. What? A chain? Cried the wolf. Don't you go wherever you please? Not always. But what's the difference? Replied the dog. All the difference in the world. I don't care a rap for your feasts and I wouldn't take all the tender young lambs in the world at that price. And away ran the wolf to the woods. There is nothing worth so much as liberty. The fox and the hedgehog of fox, swimming across a river, was barely able to reach the bank, where he lay bruised and exhausted from his struggle with the swift current. Soon a swarm of blood-sucking flies settled on him, but he lay quietly, still too weak to run away from them. A hedgehog happened by. Let me drive the flies away, he said kindly. Mumber no, exclaimed the fox. Do not disturb them. They have taken all they can hold. If you drive them away, 
another greedy swarm will come and take the little blood I have left. Better to bear a lesser evil than to risk a greater in removing it. The bat and the weasels a bat blundered into the nest of a weasel, who ran up to catch and eat him. The bat begged for his life, but the weasel would not listen. You are a mouse, he said, and I am a sworn enemy of mice. Every mouse I catch, I am going to eat, but I am not a mouse, cried the bat. Look at my wings, can mice fly? Why, I am only a bird, please let me go. The weasel had to admit that the bat was not a mouse, so he let him go. But a few days later, the foolish bat went blindly into the nest of another weasel. This weasel happened to be a bitter enemy of birds, and he soon had the bat under his claws, ready to eat him. You are a bird, he said, and I am going to eat you. What? cried the bat. I a bird. Why? All birds have feathers. I am nothing but a mouse. Down with all cats, is my motto. And so the bat escaped with his life a second time. Set your sails with the wind. The quack toad in old toad once informed all his neighbors that he was a learned doctor. In fact he could cure anything. The fox heard the news and hurried to see the toad. He looked the toad over very carefully. Mr. Toad, he said, I've been told that you cure anything. But just take a look at yourself. And then try some of your own medicine. If you can cure yourself of that blotchy skin and that rheumatic gait. Someone might believe you. Otherwise, I should advise you to try some other profession. Those who would mend others, should first mend themselves. The fox without a tail a fox that had been caught in a trap, succeeded at last, after much painful tugging, in getting away. But he had to leave his beautiful bushy tail behind him. For a long time he kept away from the other foxes, for he knew well enough that they would all make fun of him and crack jokes and laugh behind his back. But it was hard for him to live alone, and at last he thought of a plan that would perhaps help him out of his trouble. He called a meeting of all the foxes, saying that he had something of great importance to tell the tribe. When they were all gathered together, the fox without a tail got up and made a long speech about those foxes who had come to harm because of their tails. This one had been caught by hounds when his tail had become entangled in the hedge. That one had not been able to run fast enough because of the weight of his brush. Besides, it was well known, he said, that men hunt foxes simply for their tails, which they cut off as prizes of the hunt, with such proof of the danger and uselessness of having a tail, said Master Fox. He would advise every fox to cut it off, if he valued life and safety. When he had finished talking, an old fox arose, and said, smiling, Master Fox, kindly turn around for a moment, and you shall have your answer. When the poor fox without a tail turned around, there arose such a storm of jeers and hooting, that he saw how useless it was to try any longer to persuade the foxes to part with their tails. Do not listen to the advice of him who seeks to lower you to his own level. The mischievous dog There was once a dog who was so ill-natured and mischievous that his master had to fasten a heavy wooden clog about his neck to keep him from annoying visitors and neighbors. But the dog seemed to be very proud of the clog and dragged it about noisily as if he wished to attract everybody's attention. He was not able to impress anyone. You would be wiser, said an old acquaintance, to keep quietly out of sight with that clog. Do you want everybody to know what a disgraceful and ill-natured dog you are? Notoriety is not fame. The rose and the butterfly A butterfly once fell in love with a beautiful rose. The rose was not indifferent for the butterfly's wings were powdered in a charming pattern of gold and silver, and so, when he fluttered near and told how he loved her, she blushed rosily and said yes, 
After much pretty love making and many whispered vows of constancy, the butterfly took a tender leave of his sweetheart. But alas, it was a long time before he came back to her. Is this your constancy? She exclaimed tearfully. It is ages since you went away. And all the time, you have been carrying on with all sorts of flowers. I saw you kiss Miss Geranium, and you fluttered around Miss Mignonetta till Honeybee chased you away. I wish he had stung you. Constancy, laughed the butterfly. I had no sooner left you than I saw Zephyr kissing you. You carried on scandalously with Mr. Bumblebee and you made eyes at every single bug you could see. You can't expect any constancy from me. Do not expect constancy in others if you have none yourself. The cat and the fox once a cat and a fox were traveling together. As they went along, picking up provisions on the way a stray mouse here, a fat chicken there they began an argument to a while away the time between bites, and, as usually happens when comrades argue, the talk began to get personal. You think you are extremely clever, don't you? said the fox. Do you pretend to know more than I? Why, I know a whole sack full of tricks. Well, retorted the cat, I admit I know one trick only, but that one, let me tell you. It's worth a thousand of years. Just then, close by, they heard a hunter's horn and the yelping of a pack of hounds. In an instant the cat was up a tree, hiding among the leaves. This is my trick, he called to the fox. Now let me see what yours are worth. But the fox had so many plans for escape he could not decide which one to try first. He dodged here and there with the hounds at his heels. He doubled on his tracks. He ran at top speed. He entered a dozen burrows, but all in vain. The hounds caught him, and soon put an end to the boaster and all his tricks. Common sense is always worth more than cunning. The boy and the nettle boy, stung by a nettle, ran home crying, to get his mother to blow on the herd and kiss it. Son, said the boy's mother, when she had comforted him, the next time you come near a nettle, grasp it firmly, and it will be as soft as silk. Whatever you do, do with all your might. The old lion a lion had grown very old. His teeth were worn away, his limbs could no longer bear him, and the king of beasts was very pitiful indeed as he lay gasping on the ground, about to die, where now his strength and his former graceful beauty, now a boar spied him, and rushing at him, gored him with his yellow tusk, a bull trampled him with his heavy hoofs, even a contemptible ass let fly his heels and brayed his insults in the face of the lion, it is cowardly to attack the defenseless, though he be an enemy. The fox and the pheasants one moonlight evening as Master Fox was taking his usual stroll in the woods, he saw a number of pheasants perched quite out of his reach on a limb of a tall old tree. The sly fox soon found a bright patch of moonlight, where the pheasants could see him clearly, there he raised himself up on his hind legs, and began a wild dance. First he whirled round and round like a top, then he hopped up and down, cutting all sorts of strange capers. The pheasants stared giddily. They hardly dared blink for fear of losing him out of their sight a single instant. Now the fox made as if to climb a tree. Now he fell over and lay still, playing dead. And the next instant he was hopping on all fours, his back in the air, and his bushy tail shaking so that it seemed to throw out silver sparks in the moonlight. By this time the poor bird's heads were in a whirl, and when the fox began his performance all over again, so dazed did they become, that they lost their hold on the limb and fell down one by one to the fox. Too much attention to danger may cause us to fall victims to it. Two travelers and a bear two men were traveling in company through a forest, when, all at once, a huge bear crashed out of the brush near them. One of the men, 
thinking of his own safety, climbed a tree. The other, unable to fight the savage beast alone, threw himself on the ground and lay still, as if he were dead. He had heard that a bear will not touch a dead body. It must have been true, for the bear snuffed at the man's head a while, and then, seeming to be satisfied that he was dead, walked away. The man in the tree climbed down. It looked just as if that bear whispered in your ear. He said, What did he tell you? He said, answered the other, that it was not at all wise to keep company with a fellow who would desert his friend in a moment of danger. Misfortune is the test of true friendship. The porcupine and the snakes a porcupine was looking for a good home. At last he found a little sheltered cave, where lived a family of snakes. He asked them to let him share the cave with them, and the snakes kindly consented. The snakes soon wished they had not given him permission to stay. His sharp quills pricked them at every turn, and at last they politely asked him to leave. I am very well satisfied. Thank you, said the porcupine. I intend to stay right here. And with that, he politely escorted the snakes out of doors, and to save their skins, the snakes had to look for another home. Give a finger and lose a hand. The fox and the monkey at a great meeting of the animals, who had gathered to elect a new ruler. The monkey was asked to dance. This he did so well, with a thousand funny capers and grimaces, that the animals were carried entirely off their feet with enthusiasm, and then and there, elected him their king. The fox did not vote for the monkey and was much disgusted with the animals for electing so unworthy a ruler. One day he found a trap with a bit of meat in it, hurrying to kin monkey. He told him he had found a rich treasure, which he had not touched because it belonged by right to his majesty the monkey. The greedy monkey followed the fox to the trap. As soon as he saw the meat he grasped eagerly for it, only to find himself held fast in the trap. The fox stood off and laughed. You pretend to be our king, he said, and cannot even take care of yourself. Shortly after that, Another election among the animals was held. The true leader proves himself by his qualities. The mother and the wolf early one morning a hungry wolf was prowling around a cottage at the edge of the village. When he heard a child crying in the house. Then he heard the mother's voice say, Hush, child, hush, stop your crying, or I will give you to the wolf. Surprised but delighted at the prospect of so delicious a meal, the wolf settled down under an open window expecting every moment to have the child handed out to him, but though the little one continued to fret, the wolf waited all day in vain, then, toward nightfall, he heard the mother's voice again as she sat down near the window to sing and rock her baby to sleep, there, child, there, the wolf shall not get you, Mumbrino, daddy is watching and daddy will kill him if he should come near, just then the father came within sight of the home, and the wolf was barely able to save himself from the dogs by a clever bit of running. Do not believe everything you hear. The flies and the honey a jar of honey was upset and the sticky sweetness flowed out on the table. The sweet smell of the honey soon brought a large number of flies buzzing around. They did not wait for an invitation. Remember indeed, they settled right down, feet and all, to gorge themselves. The flies were quickly smeared from head to foot with honey. Their wings stuck together. They could not pull their feet out of the sticky mess, and so they died, giving their lives for the sake of a taste of sweetness. Be not greedy for a little passing pleasure, it may destroy you. The eagle and the kite an eagle sat high in the branches of a great oak. She seemed very sad and drooping for an eagle. A kite saw her. Why do you look so woebegone? Asked the kite. I want to get married, replied the eagle, and I can't find a mate who can provide for me as I should like. Take me. 
said the kite, I am very strong, stronger even than you. Do you really think you can provide for me? asked the eagle eagerly. Why, of course, replied the kite, that would be a very simple matter. I am so strong I can carry away an ostrich in my talons as if it were a feather. The eagle accepted the kite immediately, but after the wedding, when the kite flew away to find something to eat for his bride, all he had when he returned, was a tiny mouse. Is that the ostrich you talked about? said the eagle in disgust. To win you I would have said and promised anything, replied the kite. Everything is fair in love, the stag, the sheep, and the wolf. One day a stag came to a sheep and asked her to lend him a measure of wheat. The sheep knew him for a very swift runner, who could easily take himself out of reach, were he so inclined. So she asked him if he knew someone who would answer for him. Yes, yes, answered the stag confidently. The wolf has promised to be my surety. The wolf, exclaimed the sheep indignantly. Do you think I would trust you on such security? I know the wolf. He takes what he wants and runs off with it without paying. As for you, you can use your legs so well that I should have little chance of collecting the debt if I had to catch you for it. Two blacks do not make a white. The animals and the plague once upon a time a severe plague raged among the animals. Many died, and those who lived were so ill, that they cared for neither food nor drink, and dragged themselves about listlessly. No longer could a fat young hen tempt Master Fox to dinner, nor a tender lamb rouse greedy Sir Wolf's appetite. At last the lion decided to call a council. When all the animals were gathered together he arose and said, Dear friends, I believe the gods have sent this plague upon us as a punishment for our sins. Therefore, the most guilty one of us must be offered in sacrifice. Perhaps we may thus obtain forgiveness and cure for all. I will confess all my sins first. I admit that I have been very greedy and have devoured many sheep. They have done me no harm. I have eaten goats and bulls and stags. To tell the truth, I even ate up a shepherd now and then. Now, if I am the most guilty... I am ready to be sacrificed, but I think it best that each one confess his sins as I have done. Then we can decide in all justice who is the most guilty. Your Majesty, said the fox, you are too good. Can it be a crime to eat sheep? Such stupid muttonheads. Mumber mumber your Majesty, you have done them great honor by eating them up. And so far as shepherds are concerned, we all know they belong to that bunny race that pretends to be our masters. All the animals applauded the fox loudly. Then, though the tiger, the bear, the wolf, and all the savage beasts recited the most wicked deeds, all were excused and made to appear very saint-like and innocent. It was now the ass's turn to confess. I remember, he said guiltily, that one day as I was passing a field belonging to some priests, I was so tempted by the tender grass and my hunger, that I could not resist nibbling a bit of it. I had no right to do it. I admit, a great uproar among the beasts interrupted him. Here was the culprit who had brought misfortune on all of them. What a horrible crime it was to eat grass that belonged to someone else. It was enough to hang anyone for. Much more an ass. Immediately they all fell upon him. The wolf in the lead. And soon had made an end to him. Sacrificing him to the gods then and there. And without the formality of an altar. The weak are made to suffer for the misdeeds of the powerful. The shepherd and the lion the shepherd. Counting his sheep one day discovered that a number of them were missing. Much irritated, he very loudly and boastfully declared that he would catch the thief and punish him as he deserved. The shepherd suspected a wolf of the deed and so set out toward a rocky region among the hills, where there were caves infested by wolves. 
but before starting out he made a vow to Jupiter that if he would help him find the thief he would offer a fat calf as a sacrifice. The shepherd searched a long time without finding any wolves, but just as he was passing near a large cave on the mountainside, a huge lion stalked out, carrying a sheep. In great terror the shepherd fell on his knees. Alas, O Jupiter, man does not know what he asks. To find the thief I offered to sacrifice a fat calf. Now I promise you a full-grown bull, if you but make the thief go away. We are often not so eager for what we seek. After we have found it, do not foolishly ask for things that would bring ruin if they were granted. The dog and his reflection a dog, to whom the butcher had thrown a bone, was hurrying home with his prize as fast as he could go. As he crossed a narrow footbridge, he happened to look down and saw himself reflected in the quiet water as if in a mirror but the greedy dog thought he saw a real dog carrying a bone much bigger than his own. If he had stopped to think he would have known better, but instead of thinking, he dropped his bone and sprang at the dog in the river, only to find himself swimming for dear life to reach the shore. At last he managed to scramble out, and as he stood sadly thinking about the good bone he had lost, he realized what a stupid dog he had been. It is very foolish to be greedy. The hare and the tortoise a hare was making fun of the tortoise one day for being so slow. Do you ever get anywhere? He asked with a mocking laugh. Yes, replied the tortoise, and I get there sooner than you think. I'll run you a race and prove it. The hare was much amused at the idea of running a race with the tortoise, but for the fun of the thing he agreed. So the fox, who had consented to act as judge, marked the distance and started the runners off. The hare was soon far out of sight and to make the tortoise feel very deeply how ridiculous it was for him to try a race with a hare, he lay down beside the course, 